0: uh oh
1: what's up paper games how you doing buddy? what's how up man
0: doing? so i in i'm I'm on the road looks like you got the crew in the house holy Kamole.
1: yeah buddy you driving so you said yeah yeah nice thanks for joining man we'll okay. get going we'll get, we'll get chatting here in a bit for sure crazy day today dude
0: very crazy day today um even crazier clothes today
1: yeah the clothes was nuts that was like uh
0: (laughs) i mean half of the day in about like 30 minutes completely retraced all the way back to the upside i'm like oh and i was i was caught jeez i was long amd coming into the day too and i'm like i sent a notice okay this is gonna be ugly morning for sure um But my stop was like a daily close under 71.30. And I swear if it didn't like somehow reclaim the entire day and looks like it's just going to continue to the upside. I mean, just semis in general were insane. We were with Wolf in the morning. I caught like NVIDIA for almost 200%. Upside Q's was about the same upside AM trade. and And then the downside after the pop was like... I mean, what's funny and, and tough, right? We've gone from, you know, one moment it looks like it's a swing trading market, and the next moment you get a day like today and you're like, oh no, no. This is a day trading market. So I,
1: I, just, yeah, I, seriously. I just
0: I just wanna get I just wanna get through it. That's that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that move at the end of the day. I mean, like you said, the cues. Just looking at the chart for the day, the cues popped early, and then sold off, and then just everything at that and the end of the day, that was nuts. Did not expect that at all, and uh, I yeah, mean, hopefully that's a sign. of good, think, you know, a good sign. There's a lot. Of,
0: there were a lot of good signs out there. I think we're both swing traders, too, right? It's tough having that that swing trade mindset, and then if you. Even if you are short swinging in today and then see this big pop out of the gate, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, what's happening?" It's very very tough, right? It's kind of like that. You got to take profits, uh, and I mean, really, just kind of like let trades play out and be a little bit more patient. But um, sometimes it's just it's just not fun. So, like my my memo to our group this morning was like, "Okay, look, we have swings on, but I need to take my swing trader hat off." For just a minute and put the day trader hat on and you know if i'm red on some swings that's fine but like our my my saying is like your ability to make money in the market has nothing to do with how good of a trader you are but it's 100 tied to your ability to forget your last trade good bad or indifferent if you can't forget your last trade like you're gonna have a really hard time in the market so it's like just i'm gonna scout my way back to green real quick do the best at at, at that, and then see how see how it kind of washes out, um, and thankfully a lot of stuff did do well. Like I've had CrowdStrike calls swings on for a like a little bit after, like right before Fortinet reported earnings, um just around just under three hundred, and then like this morning, it looked really ugly. Like CrowdStrike opened at about three hundred bucks, and within I don't know. Twenty minutes had rallied like twenty five dollars off the lows and closed at the highs today. So it's it's really interesting to see just across the board some of the like some of the tickers that still have the strength. I I'm still seeing it in the software side, infosec specifically. Um, but yeah, there's there's really deep pockets of weakness and some very hidden kind of like gems that are um, still holding up, but. You know, there's still there's still an appetite for crowds. yeah,
1: well, I'll just say yeah. That. It just seems that way. That that move on CrowdStrike this morning, it got down to three hundred two, and then in thirty minutes, just like you said, was up to three twenty five, basically, and then closed at three twenty three. Yeah, just like... I
0: I didn't even have a chance to see how bad my drawdown was. Actually,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind
0: of like oh, I should have bought that dip, but. I
1: don't even know what my drawdown was. That's the kind of trading it was today. This is exactly how it was. It's like you blink and you missed it. Um, but it was good, man. It was definitely good. I see we've got more folks joining here. Good to have you on, Paul. I know you've been busy today. I see Kay's out the here. We got blind luck. Cool. We got a lot of we got we got a good panel here going, so we'll get into it. Um, just like we do every Tuesday, you guys. If you weren't weren't familiar, we do this every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern just get up here, talk about markets. And today we had plenty uh, to to give us to talk about, right? Like CPI data came out and obviously that was a big big uh, commotion. Everybody's trading around CPI. We've got more data coming, which is actually kind of the most interesting part of it, if you ask me. Um, CPI is just kind of the, the front end of it here. Um, and it was really interesting how the end of the day, what Paper and I were just talking about, uh the end of the day, here after, um, well, before we we're talking to, about CrowdStrike, this huge rally that uh, basically recovered re- the majority of the the selling that happened during the day. So, really interesting to see, you know, bull stepping in, however you want to look at it. And uh, yeah, well, I'm like now super curious about tomorrow. It's funny, like most of the day, I was like, okay, I see what's going on here, and then that end of the day rally. Uh, was, was super interesting, Paul. What did you make of that? Have you seen? Did you have any uh, thoughts on on today's action? Hey
2: Nate. Uh, hey everyone else. Thanks for uh, being here. Can you guys hear me okay? Gotcha, buddy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the road. Also, like paper gains is um, dropping dropping the uh, the van off to get it uh, worked out at the uh, mechanic. I used to do I used to do all that stuff myself, but uh, maybe I've gotten lazy. If I've made too much money, I've gotten too lazy uh, to, to, like, work on my own car anymore. Um, so, yeah, dropping off the mechanic right now. Uh, so today, uh, I didn't do any trades today, actually. Uh, my, my group did a lot of trades. I didn't do any trades. I was pretty, um, uh, I guess, so all last week, uh, Nanny was sick. I didn't uh, take any trades. This week, I've just been easing into it slow. I've had a lot of distractions I've got. To, I've had to deal with Uh Doing tax stuff, contractors, everything else. Um, got a side business. All, all these other things that have been like pulling at my attention. Um, with spy, it was pretty interesting. Um, you know, we had that major dump off uh, overnight uh, for, from the um, from the, the macro news. I mean, and it wasn't even that bad. It's just uh, you know sometimes that's the thing is you can interpret macro data however you think you can, you want to interpret it or uh, Oh yeah, this is a good print. So we're definitely going to get uh, a, a nice bull cases, bull thesis here. Like the market's going to do what it wants to do. liquidity's is going to flow or it wants to. Um, so you can't always just like, like there's a lot of macro gurus that, that will tell you one way or another, like, Hey, yeah, if, if we get it, if we print over this, if we print over X, Y will definitely happen. Like that's that's never the case. They never make it that easy. It's never that simple. Um and so you had this major um sort of almost like a release pressure release valve, like a dump off. Um and so spy was range bound for a lot of the a lot of the morning there. Uh it did peek its head out. Uh you know, I'll I'll send a screenshot here when I get a chance. Um you know, I, I always like to use the opening range breakout, the 15-minute opening range breakout. You get a upper bound and a lower bound. And for much of the morning there, um, spy was sort of range bound there, peaked its head up a little bit. And then one of one of my favorite tools to look at in time frames is a 15-minute time frame. So looking at the 15-minute time frame with extended hours off, you can turn on the 9 EMA. Uh, so 15-minute time frame, 9 EMA. And if you look at the spy chart there, it just like – it crests up, kind of, kind of licks it for uh, two different 15-minute candles at like 11:30, 11:45, and then complete rejection, dump off there. Um, and then you see it sort of uh, dump down to VWAP, go back up to orb high, the, the high of the 15 of the opening 15 minutes, then dumped it back down under VWAP, and then major dump off down to 491. Spy and then, uh, like paper is saying, 50% retracement from that. Um, you know, this is all harmonics. This is all math. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. The market is a solvable. This is a solvable conundrum, and uh, you know that's <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why many of us can be successful and and, and sort of uh, you know gr- grind at it day in day out. Um, but yeah, it was pre- pretty interesting. You know, looking at the chart in retrospect. I wasn't able to spend much time in front of the screen today because of uh, all these distractions sort of pulling at my attention. Um, but I am—I am definitely excited uh, for tomorrow. Uh, yeah Friday we've got a bunch of uh, macro news, eight thirty a.m. Uh, tomorrow we don't really have much going on tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, but but um, eight thirty on Friday is—is is, there's a does
0: anybody know? if tomorrow we get December PPI revisions, I saw that on one of the calendars. Oh really? uh, And I know we had a, yeah, I know we had a bunch of revisions coming. Um, and I saw December revisions set for tomorrow. And I was like, "Mm,
2: Oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I know, I know tomorrow we've got like crude oil inventories, uh, Boris speaking, but he's like speaking after hours. So it's not really relevant to anything. Um, and then Thursday, We've got uh, you know, core retail, Empire State manufacturing, unemployment. Uh, you got some, a bunch of things at 8:30 Friday. A bunch of things at 8:30. PPI, the the big Kahuna there. Um, so we'll see we'll see how the market reacts to that. Uh, and then also take into account that uh, Monday it's a holiday. So with Monday be, being a holiday, President's Day, um, I would not be surprised to see some liquidity dry up uh at you know afternoon there on friday so something to keep keep an eye on um have we we haven't talked about uh some of these rippers lately i mean we can we can get talk about that later some individual stocks like of course smci which is uh you yeah, know just been
1: insane um
3: but yeah, yeah well, let's we'll,
1: we'll get into that later that's good there's a, there's been some serious uh moves for sure to the upside smci is probably the best example Good stuff, Paul. Appreciate the little thoughts for sure, man. And um, yeah, like you said, math. I love it. I love that you brought up the math side of it um, because yeah, there. If you know what you're paying attention to, there's a reason uh, that people are successful trading in these markets. So hopefully, tuning into these spaces is helping you gain some of that knowledge. Make sure you're following these speakers. By the way, you know, you've already heard Paper and Paul give some great info here, and all of these guys will add a lot of knowledge to your timeline. So, moving it around uh the panel here, Hey Kay, I see you're out there. Right. I see you joined us here today. Did you have a good day trading any anything stand out to you in particular?
3: Hey guys, good evening. um no, I was mostly focused on the Shopify and the datadog uh, trades. uh they of course dumped as expected uh right after they reported earnings. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's tough day for Shopify today, even though, you know, if you go through the earnings report for them, uh, pretty good Datadog, uh, you know, a lot of promises it showed. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out for the week. Um, I'm into mostly into options trading, and I have long-dated put options on those, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but mostly, I was focused on that, and then, Wait, of you course... you have
0: long-dated put options on Datadog?
3: No, no, so I was selling options on Datadog. Oh, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just like Paul, I was basically busy with the taxes and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of stuff uh, catching up. So I didn't do anything post 12 p.m. So that's the day for me. But yeah, man, CPI was pretty interesting. And um, I, I did listen to a lot of conversations with the CNBC and uh, you know, coming back to the reality of two to three rate cuts for the year. Um, I don't know why market was expecting four to five. You will have a five rate cuts, which means that there's something really breaking, um, because we are we do see that you know especially with companies, uh, especially in the SaaS side when they other companies are not purchasing softwares as much as we are seeing drastic decline in IT spending. So you you can see those effects if you actually dig down into the a lot of these SaaS companies uh, uh, reports. But overall, uh, I think two to three, I guess we'll start off with... I guess next month is any rate cuts is off the table. Probably see more maybe in June, right? May- yeah,
0: I think they took July off the table today too. Oh, really? Oh my goodness. Which is good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so that's why we saw this. But I mean, and then I was thinking, I was like, okay, we'll see if I's hot. I mean, if it gets even hotter... I'm almost like they might price those rate cuts right back in if it gets really hot. Um but you know or, or rate well would they rate I, I don't know. Um I don't know. It's it's just uh it's it's funky. At least it's not like the 7 plus that were baked in, you know, a couple of weeks Yeah, ago. I was going to say. So market's coming I, back. I, to, coming I never back to understood normal. why
3: how can you have seven rate cuts this year? I just did not I did not understand that, and and uh, I don't know when the unemployment data is coming up, but it's still below four. If somebody knows that,
1: yes, yeah, well, I don't know the exact uh, data point there, Kay, but I'm glad you brought up unemployment because we've been hearing strong unemployment or you know labor numbers, and we've been hearing strong consumer sentiment right across the board, um, and strong earnings generally speaking. So. To me, it wasn't a huge surprise to see the inflation's not, you know, just declining on a straight line here, right? Like it's it'd almost be too perfect of a scenario.
3: You know, so, I read this somewhere. I, I don't know where I read it today, but uh, basically, what is happening is the, the wage growth is happening a little bit over 4%, and the, uh, uh, the revenue growth for the corporations are happening a little bit less than 4%. So that is not sustainable. And then, of course, you know, we got
0: well, it. yeah. No, I was gonna say the the wage growth finally getting over 4%. I feel like when we saw that come out early February when we got the NFP, or not was, was it NFP? Same day as NFP, I think it was.
3: Okay, no, you just, might have to, rem- I, I, have to correct check. me if yeah. I'm wrong. Okay,
0: but um, but that all of a sudden wage growth is outpacing inflation, which was also kind of like a turning point for the market just recently so it's like hmm, there's a lot of things to chew on for sure right now yeah too too many moving parts nate yeah yeah back to the yeah. strong strong consumer once again
1: keeping inflation high yeah exactly right and, and it's almost you know that's why we've been talking about this perfect landing threading the needle and all that because if it goes too far in either direction it's bad right you're gonna have <clears throat> like you were alluding to i think their papers like rate cuts can be good yeah. if they're when they need to be but you know we could get rate cuts because of very bad scenarios as well right so right
0: right that's why i was like you know early on if we were really expecting six seven plus rate hikes or rate cuts then i'm like at that point you'd probably have to be thinking something really bad is happening or going to happen in that scenario and it was always
3: just kind of like backwards for me but yeah I have a question for this panel right uh i have a question for this panel maybe you guys can solve this for me who is expecting? Like, who is this market, right? Expecting seven rate cuts? Like, we all do trading. We all do investing. Who was expecting seven rate cuts, or six rate cuts? I just don't know.
0: Could I couldn't give you the individual's name. I usually go to the CBOE Fed Watch tool, and they'll actually say this is this is what the market's pricing in today, um, and and you can they have like a little comparison tool where it's like versus yesterday, versus last week, versus last month. Yeah, looks yeah. like black.
2: Like? Every, Everything's always priced in. That's that's what they always say. Oh, it's priced in. It's it's expected. It's of course we're gonna get that. It's it's priced in.
1: There's two things always, Paul. There's always something's priced in, and there's always money on the sidelines. Always. <laughs> <laughs> you know, money on the What's side up, line? Efficient
4: markets, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was an analyst over on CNBC who was saying seven late last year, and then somebody over on um. I want to say it was Bloomberg was saying eight, and I mean I was writing my thesis for the next like couple of years, like what well, I think's going to happen at the time, and like holy, like holy balls, What's well, this guy thinking eight, like, is, are we going to have an economic collapse? Like, the Fed would never do that unless like it was doom and gloom and the world was going to end. Like, you know, they want to hold rates as high as possible if there's a strong labor market because if something does happen, they have room to work with. Um, so I'm actually really happy to see them hold it, you know, right here in the five to five and a half percent range for next six to nine months. I think that would shake out some of the weak companies that we need to kind of hold, um, free up some labor for the strong companies that could use some talent. And um, it really sets us up nicely for a bull run in the late 2025 2026. Um, the real question is, you know, with these rates at the current levels, does the labor market hold up? So far, we're seeing that but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see with student loans and stuff kicking in. And, um, you know, some of that stuff's not being reported yet. So it'll be interesting to see once that kind of starts getting baked into the monthly numbers, where it looks like.
1: Yeah, agreed with that. There's definitely some headwinds that seem to have, like, they were in the spotlight and then kind of fell by the wayside. I think student loans definitely fit that category. And, um, yeah, I, you know, we saw it today, rates up, you're going to have certain sectors that get beat up, right? Small caps get hurt the most. Um, biotech is another, is a sector that gets beat up. Um, so I think that, you know, I guess my overall thinking here is there's no way that the Fed is going to let inflation get crazy again. So as soon as I heard six rate cuts, I immediately like disregarded that because they're not going to allow a repeat of um, you know, inflation kicking back up and just being basically, they'll get run over, right? Powell will just be forever known as the guy who let inflation come back. And so he's going to make sure that that doesn't happen. That's my opinion anyways. And so the likelihood of us getting overly aggressive with rate cuts is probably not that high. Um, but if we do get rate cuts, you know, I have some thoughts on where I might go um, as far as, you know, sector rotation and whatnot in the markets. And, be curious what you guys' thoughts are there, there, but maybe that's further down the line. I'm curious, Paul, you brought up individual stocks. There's a couple that um, have really been popping. Um, You mentioned SMCI. I saw Zoom Info go nuts yesterday after market um, ZI, and it gave a lot of it back, but not all of it. I mean, it's still up 14% today. And Zoom Info Technologies, I don't I don't know if that is, like, going to be falling in line with Arm. It's another ticker that's been taking up going crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, are there some tickers that I'm not talking about here? What, Zoom Info yeah.
0: is more like, uh, like, it's SaaS, right? Like, software as yeah, a service. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're like a LinkedIn plugin. But, um, but yeah, it's more like that, like, ties into that whole AI story, into that software as a service type uh Type, like, so, I guess industry or subsector, if you will.
1: But yeah. so you think you think it might have some legs here? Hard um, to say.
0: I think. Let me tell you this. Are, are you familiar with the IGV, like sector ETF? Oh, I'm
1: not sure if I am. What's was what the ticker again? Say that again.
0: So, I, I, G, IGV. Got it. Like I is in Isaac, G is in gold, V is yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. But look at that! I mean, that's at I mean, just basically fifty-two week or all-time highs, and they have a split coming. Um, so it's, so this looks like it could be a little dip, pullback right before the big break. Quite frankly, um, this is heavy weighted like things like CRM, uh, Datadog, Snowflake, CrowdStrike. The, those those are all like major components in in that type of sector, but um but yeah i mean zoom info it's a very small company extremely small company uh so i don't know if a lot of people would even necessarily know about it um but yeah it's just it's just technology driving efficiencies again one more time um yeah but i i think there's there's probably a lot of stories like that if that makes sense like there's probably a lot of Companies where I still think Snowflake's got a lot of room. Um, Datadog price action was interesting. Um, I would be interested to hear Kay's take on the call. I didn't listen. I didn't even look at any any metrics there. I used to sell Datadog back in the day, right? So, got coming from enterprise tech, um, and we worked with Zoom Info. But like, I know that they should be okay. Like, they do. They're the best at what they do. What they do, I don't know, is that special personally, but um, but the the sector, like what they do, again, it's just kind of like driving efficiencies for large enterprise or even SMBs in, in a lot of cases. So like if, if yeah, if wage growth is there, it's just these are the tools that are, um, you know, letting companies be more efficient uh, with with less spend, really. Okay,
1: so yeah, go okay. for it,
3: okay. Hey, Hey, uh, so I think one of the, um, uh, the couple of interesting points in Datadog. Uh, one, w- we saw that they started reporting a couple of metrics, and one of the metrics is that if a customer has bought two products, if the customer is using three-plus products, four-plus products, six-plus products, eight-plus products, something like that, they have started adding that as a metric. Now, in the SaaS space, um, because I work in the SaaS space, and I'm noticing this major shift that is happening with enterprise uh, medium sized enterprise and large size enterprise, what they are doing is is they are starting to consolidate their IT stack. And what I mean by that is a lot of these large scale companies like whether it's CRM Salesforce, whether you know it's Datadog, whether you're looking at um, Zendesk, uh, whether you're looking at um, you know what's the other one? Uh, Monday.com. What basically they are doing like yeah what they're doing is they are incorporating different features from other customers so let's say for example monday.com launched a crm feature and that's in direct competition with salesforce but they also know that salesforce is a very expensive software and not you know small businesses even medium businesses may not be able to afford it but if you have a monday.com you probably will buy their crm module and you start using it. and that's the strategy same thing with salesforce what they have done they have bought out a lot of companies with specific modules and what they have done is they have a marketing cloud they have a of course the crm cloud they have a service cloud so service cloud directly competes with ServiceNow, competes with zendesk and what they're doing is they're offering enterprises hey listen why don't you just close out your you know contract with this and use our feature and then you'll get a better deal out of it and a lot of companies have started to make that shift you will start to see that you know, more and more as the IT spends get a little bit more stricter by the companies. And uh, that's where I believe the big players like CRM, ServiceNow, Datadog, in those categories will start to see the benefits. Now, uh, I think the Datadog, the issue is that they are reporting a 21% revenue growth. Can they continue with the double digit in the five years, 10 years time period? We don't know. But at least if we are trading short term, uh, I think we have a potential with datadog uh at least you know short-term trades that's my take
1: good stuff i i'm having a hell of a time with the mute button tonight apparently i'm on massive delay there that <laughs> no i appreciate the insight on datadog and and with respect to enterprise spend that's a theme that i think is worth paying attention to exactly what you're saying right we just went through the whole And we're still going through it in in some cases, but, you know, the year of efficiency, as it was dubbed, where you had a lot of layoffs, especially in the tech sector. And, you know, there's still layoffs certainly um, being reported, but that was like kind of the big push. And now I think enterprises across, you know, across the board are basically looking at additional ways to save. And you highlighted, right, right. Basically bundling, right? Instead of having multiple uh, vendors going down to one, that's definitely one. Um, other companies that have not looked into these data solutions yet are now going to be looking at them, or not just data, but you know enterprise solutions. Um, so they'll be, you know, taking a look and pre- possibly spending. Um, so I think those that that's a actually a really strong theme to be paying attention to. It's definitely uh, one of the areas I'm looking at for sure. Um, yeah, so who have we gotten up on here? Stocks after dark. You've been up here chilling for a minute. How are you doing this evening? Anything you'd like to add about today's market action or anything you're looking at in particular?
4: Hey Nate and everybody, good evening. Uh hey Nate, can I actually can you actually circle
1: back for me? I, I'm in the middle of something, so of I don't course the interrupt, but thanks though. Yeah, man. Appreciate you being here. And I uh, will definitely circle back to stocks after dark. Always love to hear what you have to say. And uh, hey, I'll um, yeah, go uh, Paul. I'll talk about, uh,
2: um, you know, it's always it's, you know, there's always there's different ways to trade in the market. There's different things to look out for um, the last two days. Uh, news, you know, it's, it's you never know when news is going to hit, but it's good to have your sort of uh, your finger on the pulse. Good. Good to have a scanner, like a stock scanner to see what's getting action. Uh, ticker BMR. Beamer um, had a partnership with Nvidia. Stock stock goes from a penny stock. It's it's some sort of partnership where they're working on a a new uh, encoding um, type type software. You know, it's not not even that big of a deal, small potatoes. But the the stock went from a penny stock to uh, you know a real stock in uh, in in a day, up eight hundred percent. I mean, it's uh, the
0: deal they made was like double their market cap or something i remember seeing that one yeah.
2: yeah 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 like these this this type of deal like it was probably if i were to guess it probably wouldn't even. like was it eight, even eight figures probably not i mean maybe maybe it was like a a five million dollar deal like who knows but the market cap is a is uh you know up 800 percent since then which is pretty insane i think they're like a close to a 200 million dollar company now so it went from a penny stock to like a small cap um pretty, pretty wild pretty pretty amazing uh you know i always sort of look at what the big boys are doing i mean you know tesla used to be such a such a big driver such a news such a such a news machine such a money maker uh, elon tweets something the stock uh, goes crazy and there's an opportunity to make money uh nvidia nvidia is kind of that now microsoft is kind of that now you know look at what apple and microsoft and nvidia are doing um Because the news of those companies or companies that they're working with, I mean, that's there's real opportunity there to make to make some uh, big money really quick. Um, And being able to just you know not just absorb the news, like not just uh, you know receive the news, but digest it and have a somewhat of a correct interpretation of the direction, and or or even if it's a big deal, like is this a big deal or not? Maybe I'll take a flyer. Maybe I'll take a lotto on this. Um, so, you know, we might talk about opening range breakouts. We might take, talk about futures or e- EMAs or, you know, wh- whatever way to, way to trade. But news news is a legit strategy. And you don't have to stare at a screen all day. You can just, uh, you know, wait for your, your news scanner to pick something up for
1: you. Yeah, that's a good call, Paul. Uh, d- definitely that chart, by the way, is insane going from – a dollar you know penny stock like you said to now it's sitting at fourteen yeah. uh
2: and it was up eighty percent yeah so when i it went up eight hundred percent and then it was up eighty percent today now it's up forty percent um after the drop but uh i mean yeah it, it's it's a it went from a fraction of a penny to fourteen bucks uh today um and and it got up to thirty five or something yesterday, which is uh pretty insane um so yeah, like uh, just something to, uh, to to
1: consider, something to think about. Uh, yeah, that's ticker BMR. BMR, yep, taking a look at that guy. Nice. Hey Carl, glad you could join us. We're talking about different investing styles and what's going on in the market here. Hopefully you've been able to tune in and listen to a little bit of it. Are you uh, trying to find ways to generate premium, generate some income here at these levels or any thoughts on what we're seeing with markets today? One day does not make a trend, of course.
5: No, you know, it's funny. I wrote a newsletter article about um one of the stocks in my kids' portfolios. It's not actually in mine, but um uh, you know, the market was down today and yet uh one of the most boring stocks in the market, uh, waste management was up six percent. Um, oh
2: I love I love waste management. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry to butt in.
5: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean that's kinda of what I wrote about. It's like you know, my garbage gets picked up every Tuesday and Friday, right? It's the ultimate sleep well at night stock where I just bought some stock for my kid's portfolio and I'm just going to leave it there for 15, 20 years. I'm not even going to look at it really. Um, you know, it's like, uh, and, and for the stock to make a 6% move on a day where the market was down so much, I mean, it's just, uh, it's one of those days where I'm just laughing at how things work out some way because you know you, you just never know with these things. So I mean the st- the company crushed earnings and raised his dividend by seven percent, which uh, you know, I'm I'm happy as a as a dividend growth investor. That's that's good stuff for me. Uh that more than doubles the inflation read that came out today. So um, you know, not really an eight hundred percent uh game, but uh you know, for the long term, I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with it. I think it's up, you know, over the last ten years it's up about four hundred and fifty percent, which is, you know, almost uh I think the S and P is like two hundred and sixty percent, something like that. So uh you know, that's uh that was that was my fun read of the day, basically.
1: I liked it. Well and and uh yeah, you said I'm not gonna touch it for ten or twenty
2: ten or twenty years. I mean you could not touch waste management for 10 or 20 decades, really, totally. uh, you know, trash trash ain't going away. People are, people are, will forever be gross. Unless they figure out some way to you know, teleport that teleport trash out of your, out of your, uh, <laughs> out of your house or something. I mean, I, I love waste management. Like, you know, it's very discreet what they do and what, what the, the revenue, the, the, the revenue that, that, that's coming in. I mean, they have the ability to shoulder a lot of debt because they, they know what they're getting. Uh, they can expand aggressively, even more aggressively. I mean it's um it's it's a great stock that's not going
5: anywhere. Yeah, there's and can anyone name a competitor do, can anyone name a competitor to waste management? Do you know any other company that, no, that does no. what they do? The the thing with waste management I mean, it, is it's full
4: package. They do recycling, they do yard waste, they you know all the environmentalists and stuff love them because they support all the recycling initiatives and stuff that the city's come out with. So I mean that's a barrier to entry. You can't just be a new player and come in and say, oh, I'm going to pick up your trash. You have to offer the whole shebang and follow all the rules and regulations. I mean, that's that, – waste management's got figured out.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they've got that uh, economy of scale that they can shoulder all those regulations. And the The only thing that – kind of like any utility, I mean, the only the, – the big, um, I guess, uh, the existential crisis is that, uh, you know th- – uh, Locals can sort of just like prevent them from operating, like pass laws and say, okay, well, the city's gonna handle this. Right. We're gonna do this in house or whatever. I mean, that's really the only existential crisis they have.
5: Yeah, the so is, I mean, they so probably cheap, raise. I, yeah. yeah,
4: I mean, the only time I see a city do that is like if a power utility, for example, is ripping off the customers. I mean, waste management, like my bills only like 30 bucks a month. That's not that bad. So as long as they're reasonable yeah. with their customers, I don't see that really happening.
5: Yeah, no,
1: yeah, no. yeah. I mean, waste management going to be around longer than Google is. <laughs> That's an interesting comment, right there. I like your article or you know what you had to say about that, Carl, and what you wrote up today, article newsletter. Um, oh. and it's crazy, right? We've got this is one of the things I love to talk about and point out and highlight, and you guys just naturally do this every time we talk. There's like a myriad of opportunities in the market. Even if things are pulling back, you're going to find opportunities out there, whether they're crazy big gains or they're, um, you know, something is steady and um, just performing like a, you know, year over year consistent, consistently like waste management. I mean, there's just a lot of different things you can look at, a lot of different approaches. Um, no doubt about it. and I've got this noted paper, IGV, by the way, the expanded tech. Uh, software sector. That's that's interesting. Like you said, that pullback, and, it, and you. I think you mentioned a split. So I'll be watching that. That's that's interesting as well. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about a lot is the VIX, and I don't know if you guys pay attention to volatility too closely, if you trade it at all. Um, but I I've heard a lot more conversations around it, and you know, I just figured it'd be good to touch on it briefly, if nothing else, because the VIX can be used as a great hedge for sure. Um, but it's doesn't, the VIX doesn't act the same way as like a, a typical stock does, right? Like, um, oh, Hey Nate, yeah. uh, but, but, uh, just before you get into it, before
2: we change subjects, uh, Carl, if you, I think it'd be a good opportunity to call for you, for you to show your uh, newsletter or put a post, uh, in, in the, uh, in the screen up there. So people, I mean, I'm interested in reading what you wrote, uh, about waste management. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to read that, so um
1: that's a good call paul thanks for, for
2: interjecting with
5: that. yeah thanks paul i'll put the link uh i just shared it today uh so i'll uh, i'll put the link in the comments here thanks buddy yeah yeah Sorry for interrupting. please continue nick
1: no oh, good stuff yeah and uh it's all good stuff up top and if anybody does have any questions just shoot us a dm you can DM me or any of these speakers um i'm sure it, you know they'll help you follow find whatever information you're looking for but definitely don't be shy to reach out and uh yeah, that that's good stuff. Carl always drops good stuff, and then in between, you'll find some good humor in there too. I, I always appreciate that what Carl's talking about. Um, but yeah, so the VIX, you know, I just wanted to highlight it again because um, we do have this big movement. So we had a big move in the VIX today, and then you get a lot of people talking about it. And I, you know, it's it just trades a little bit differently. I think the easiest way to put it is just go look at the chart. Um, the VIX trades sideways, right? It's and and I'm not going to get the right exact verbiage here, but basically, it reverts to the mean, and you're not going to. I don't think that's the right way to put it. It 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 uh it moves horizontally, right, in the channel. You guys can probably help me out here. And so it's not going to continually climb like you know you might see a stock do, or continually you know fall in some sort of like nice orderly pattern. Generally, you get pops and drops when it comes to the VIX. So, um, if you have heads with the VIX, for example, and then you get a day like today where it pops, you know, me personally, and I would love to hear anybody else's take on this, like I will immediately take a large portion of, of that position off if I am trading the VIX, um, because that's, you don't generally see a lot of follow through. I mean, just look at the chart, you'll see that it'll pop and then pretty quickly retreat, retrace. Um, And that has a lot to do with digesting knowledge, right? You'll get a bunch of concern, and then the market kind of digests like today's CPI data, for example, over the next few days, and we'll get some churn and some price action that'll settle out. And unless something else comes up, the VIX will probably settle back down. I mean, I'm not trying to predict exactly what will happen, but it's not something that'll just remain elevated necessarily unless there's continued uncertainty, and additional data points that the market's like you know waiting to unfold effectively, right? And then of course any major event, black swan event, what have you, will send the vix flying. So I like to use it as a hedging tool. Um, be curious if anybody else here likes to use it as a hedging tool, um, but you just have to kind of be be aware of how it how it trades. If that makes sense. Anybody here else? Anybody else utilize the vix or just make
3: no, I, I I do buy VIX calls uh but I didn't know I missed it this time I didn't How
1: far out do you Vic's buy those calls? Okay. Uh
3: generally a month or so
1: Yeah, that's a, I usually go 3 4 weeks out if I'm hedging with vix
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean I generally try to at least last year I was timing mostly the the the, the uh J Paul uh speeches but this year, I haven't actually tried it. I've been busy with the other stuff.
1: Um, yeah. And then there's of course UVXY, right? The uh, uh, the ETF that you could utilize. It's very similar uh, to trading the VIX, I guess. If you don't want to trade options, what have you? But um, yeah, yeah. I was just I want to bring that up, and maybe not everybody utilizes or pays close attention to it, but uh, I think it's a useful tool, and uh, you know it helps, especially when you're trading options, to understand understand the volatility in the markets and in these pop. The juice gets us right into those options. And then when the volatility falls off, you get that IV crush, right? And that's also something that we talk about with respect to selling, you know, cover calls and cash secured puts and taking advantage of that IV crush. So, you know, we've got this elevated VIX, elevated volatility today. So pay attention to that, see where it goes and, uh, you know, trade accordingly, I guess is what I would say there. Paul, did you have something to add to the VIX? I saw you might have had something to comment there. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um So I don't trade the VIX. But I do look at the VIX uh, every day. I look at it uh, sort sort of as a, as a barometer of maybe you know where the market's heading. Um, I, I keep that on my screen, spy cues, Apple, um, you know sometimes DXY, the dollar. Uh, you know a lot of times if uh, DXY is ripping, you know the the stock market uh, might might tumble. Same thing with VIX. Uh, you know a lot of times if VIX is uh, is ripping you know you'll you'll see spy uh, dip down a lot uh it's not always a one-to-one correlation um but it's just a, it's just another na- indicator i essentially use vix as an indicator i don't uh i don't trade it but you know i might i might have to follow
1: uh you and kane and uh you know try that out sometime they're chasing you paul they're gonna get you you better duck and hide someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh it's it's a common occurrence
2: i mean i live uh i live in a city a kind of a suburban city uh, outside of dc and uh there's uh there's a whole lot of that happening too much so uh yeah w- but we can we can save that for the politics uh spaces some other
1: time oh yeah we get the politics spaces going and that'll be uh popping i'm sure <laughs>
4: right. What do you guys think about doing um, a VIX ETF versus options? Um, I've looked at it. Um, because you know, for me, options the VIX is kind of hard to time. So I was thinking maybe ETF would be better. I know it's a negative carry trade, but like,
0: uh, I, I don't know. Just curious any thoughts on that. Like uh, you, if if you trade options, I I would absolutely trade the VIX futures options instead. Why like is that? But you just you want. Like so, Nate was talking about something earlier. Like in in the options where we call like backwardation and contango, you'll see that a lot on VIX futures contracts, um, which you trade options on. Um, But yeah, the the ETFs they don't. There's no one to one doesn't exist. Uh, There's VVIX. There used to be something called TVIX. There's UVXY. All of them are leveraged. I I think VVIX might be delisted pretty soon, just because they don't. They don't really work that well, to be quite frank. Um, they're just like short-term trade, short-term tools, if you will. But most of those are, are are built to go to zero anyway. So like you can't really can't really chart them um, because, like you said, they're they're very much negative carry trades, um, meaning like you're gonna pay heavy interest uh, just to hold them. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I I, I used to trade. I don't watch the VIX anymore. Personally, um, I used to, before zero DTEs, uh, just because of the way that the VIX is measured, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it only measures a very specific window of SPX options. It's like, uh, God, I, I forget. on my YouTube channel, we have a video about it, but it's like, it's only from like 27 to 35 DTE SPX options that it actually watches. So unless it's in that window, um, it's not really going to be caught by the VIX itself. And once, once once, we got zero DTE SPX options, it was kind of like game over for the most part um, in terms of like the heavy barometer. But that said, you know, the VIX real volatility, historical volatility should really, even after today, be closer to like 11 maybe or, or 10 to be fair. So it's probably overstated uh, in the near term. Whenever you get to that 18 handle, it's like, whoa, okay. And that's pretty much right where we peaked today um so yeah. when it gets to those levels you can always be like okay uh we'll watch it i do watch it like from a, a like a red yellow flag perspective like if i'm trading and i want to have a barometer on the side so i do watch the dixie i do watch the tenure every day almost throughout the day on like one of my screens it's off to the side um and and if it's the vix what i'm looking for it's it's the days when we have a big green day and the VIX is up, if that makes sense. Um, so the, the reason the VIX for me came off the table a while ago was because of that, you know, the window that it looks at. It doesn't really capture the, the meat. It, it used to capture the meat of where options were traded, but but now what it what it actually looks at is probably like maybe 15% of net option volume. Um, but uh, But that said, when we have a big green day, and the VIX is green at the same time. That's when you get these big yellow flags and you're like, okay, those are those are the days, those are the times when you're like, wow, this is possibly getting a little toppy. We actually saw that exact situation happen on Monday. So those are the kind of things that I will look for uh, on the VIX when, when we do have the market going up and the VIX going up at the same time. Those are kind of some of your warning signs that the VIX is still very useful for today. But, <laughs> and for the trading part, Nate, I used to do, not to get too complex, I used to do this ratio spread because I did a lot of iron condors. Back in the day, I used to do like a, a long ratio spread, but, you know, be short one, long two. And then when you get the pop, you just take one, yeah. one of the two off and it flips into a credit spread. But that was Maybe that was...
3: we can get a lesson from Paper Greens on Iron Condor, right? That's one of the <laughs> strategies I suck at. <laughs> nice.
1: I love it. Paper, it's great to have you on, man. Hopefully you can join us on more of these. Cause uh yeah, I'd love to get your knowledge. If you guys haven't come across Paper in the past, like check he's got the one of the most, if not the most legit discords I've seen and uh just an amazing trader. So glad you could be here, paper. Dropping all his knowledge. So we do here on Tuesdays, we drop knowledge, share knowledge, we share what we know, and hopefully it's helpful for everybody out there. You know, not financial advice, of course, but just different perspectives. We've got people who trade options, trade commons, trade futures, we've got long-term investing perspectives, um, you know, all of it. And we just try to get into what's most pertinent pertinent and, um, you know, kind of applies to what's going on in the market. So... With all the CPI data and all the, the movements today, it's just a super interesting day for sure. Um, and I think the rest of the week is going to be like, like we said, we got PPI data, we got still more information coming. What have I missed, you guys? Like, what else do we need? Should we talk about? I know.
0: I don't know. I would just say today's an interesting day for sure. But if you look across the market and a, what feels like a very bloody red day, there are some under the radar stocks still hitting 52 week yeah. highs very odd right i think those are still going to be ones to watch i have this sleeper trade that i bought at like 50 60 bucks um the stupid stock is called general electric <laughs> and it can <laughs> it hit 52 week highs seemingly every day i don't understand but just like that waste management it's just weird right like there's still there's still pockets of strength right it doesn't you know it's you just have to kind of like search through the market um,
1: holy crap look at ge but, yeah this is just powering higher I would never have thought this i didn't it's like not on my radar just... <laughs>
0: I mean you're probably a little bit late now i gotta tell you but they still have they still have another stock split coming right they still have to spin off the aerospace business too it's
1: been nothing but up and to the right since October'm not joking
0: I bought this before the healthcare spinoff and even G e Healthcare which we got like uh one share for every three shares of GE. G- look at g e h c. Okay, that was issued at forty bucks, dude. Like, at, you got it for free, but it was issued at forty bucks. The stock is also fifty-two. It's back. already doubled. Wow. Yeah, or no, it's not fifty-two. Right? Sorry, it's doubled. Almost fifty-two. It's very yes, yeah. but wild, man, wild.
1: Yeah, these are insane moves. GE from fifty up to what was that? One hundred and forty? What was I look back? Yeah, one forty-one, yeah. one forty-two.
0: Yeah, I said there was a, uh, a like a uh, a read through trade on some wide. Uh, what did he say? I posted it. Uh, on HWN earnings call. Uh, wide body engine makers read through
1: bullish earnings. So, nice, you know, good stuff. Hey, you know, one thing we didn't talk about in, with respect to the inflation data, and I think it definitely ties into everything. And, and Blind Luck, you brought this up. Conversations earlier on was the real estate markets. And since we've got people from all over the place up here, any thoughts on real estate the prices in your areas? You guys, is real estate holding up? Is commercial real estate? You guys, anybody have any um, kind of sense on, on that? Because I do think that is going to have a, a big, big impact on things moving forward. And uh, yeah, blind luck. What are your thoughts here? I'd love to hear them.
0: Yeah, I know
4: this isn't a real estate space, but um, it is a huge part of the CPI. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to share. I'll just kick it off in Arizona. Um, we're definitely seeing inventory start to clear out. Prices are ticking up. Um, and we're heading into the spring sales season for housing. So you know, the next couple of CPI reports, I know it's a lagging indicator, but this will give us kind of a look ahead, if you will, on what um, the rest of the year CPI might look like. So um, definitely in Arizona, we're starting to see things tick up. Um, I did look into the New York uh, Community Bank. Uh, they had some stuff. Anyway, New York Community Bank owns my mortgage. So uh, I'm a little bit interested to see what happens there. <laughs> some recent.
6: Yeah,
4: yeah. So two things jumped out of me. Man, my freaking mortgage has been sold three times. I've only had it for four years. And. Uh, nope, don't worry, man. You'll be with Chase soon. I enough. know. The first two banks went bankrupt. New York Community <laughs> Bank.
1: Uh, sorry. That was me, blind look. You know, get yourself back off on mute. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, so
4: yeah, New York Community Bank bought Flagstar Bank, which had bought my loan from another bank. It's like, geez. So anyway, the interesting thing there is um in uh, a lot of these big cities like New York, they have um rent-controlled buildings, like apartment buildings. And inflation's going up, maintenance is going up, taxes going up, insurance are going up, but they can't raise rents. Um so that could be a counter argument to the CPI thing we're discussing, but that's gonna really squeeze some of these banks. So I don't know, it's gonna get interesting, but I want to hear as far as residential real
1: estate what everyone else is saying so i'm in arizona i'm with you i'm seeing the same thing right like basically prices here held and then they're starting to i'm starting to see demand start to pick up but no real movement yet but paul you're out in dc do you have any sense on how things are out there
2: yeah um well sort of the starter home category is always it's competitive as always um if you're trying to buy a starter home, the D.C. area, I mean, you're, you're paying uh, half a million easy, um, and, and you're gonna have 20, 30 offers. There's gonna be no closing costs, you know, no inspections, stuff like that. Um, when you get up, when you get up even higher, okay, you're talking about 1.5, like in this area, 1.5 million, two and a half million, that range. Um, not quite, you're not going to have 20 offers, but, uh, chances are, if you're not overbidding, you're not going to get it. You know, I got a, I got a buddy, he's a doctor, his wife's a doctor, they just bought a two and a half million dollar house. They, uh, they had to over, overbid by like 200 K or something like that. Um, so I mean, it's just, uh, at, at all. In the DC area at, at all at all levels it's uh, it's kind of it's it's tough it hasn't relented um in terms of commercial real estate a lot of government agencies because of um you know, it's sort of you know DC wants this um the administration wants this federal administration wants this They want people to come back to work so you've had people working you know five days a week remote and you have sort of a hybrid system, three days in, two days out. I think pretty soon you're gonna see like four days in or five days in. Uh, a lot of firms, a lot of, a lot of the federal government agencies are cracking down hard. Um, and some people moved away during the pandemic. Um, you know, 2020, it's, uh, it's May, it's, it's, uh, it's August. People move away from D.C., they move to Tennessee, they move to Texas wherever else um some of those positions are being eliminated which is pretty wild so they, they got to move elsewhere so they, they are coming down with a hammer and i think real estate's coming back for sure like not just here but other places uh like the the, the remote work thing i think i think people understand that um you know giving the employee a good work-life balance is not productive for the company Um, and so the people that can afford to write their own ticket of course they're gonna be able to work remote because they're they're special They're rock stars the vast majority the average worker uh, you know you can't just fuck off and and go to the dry cleaners and go to go eat eat sushi uh, for two and a half hours in the middle of the day anymore Uh, they're they're putting a stop to that Um, (laughs) so that's that's what I see and I'm, I'm, if I'm breathing a little heavy, I'm in jacket and I'm walking home. I'm walking a couple miles home. Yeah, you got to.
7: Uh... I don't hear the
1: sirens anymore. So good job, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in the safer part now. No, should... I'm in the safer part where, where I live.
4: They sent air support over to chase them down.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, it's it's brutal uh, around here, uh, Northern Virginia, DC area. It's yeah, I'm brutal. Bet-
3: I'm, I'm bet- I'm with on Paul with that one because, uh, you know, even if you look at the the, need, the the job response, the job openings, right? Most of the jobs, I mean, remote jobs have become scarce even like, you know, for companies. And of course, if you're in the financial sector, it's five days, investment bank, five days, banks, five days. Uh, healthcare is one sector that I would say that hybrids still exist and uh, a lot of small healthcare companies are still into completely remote. But that, again, depends on, the type of job you are doing if you are into the IT side of the shop yes you are probably remote or hybrid uh, but yeah if you are in the frontline nurse and all those those will never work from home jobs but yeah I think the trend is changing um, and we'll see you know if that sticks with it or eventually you know people you know start back traveling five days a week with two hours three I mean I used to travel two and a half hours each way when I used to work midtown And trust me, that was the most miserable time
1: of my life. Oh, man, I'm a work-from-home trader. I do not want to hear this talk about back to the office. It just depresses me. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's just not not what I want to hear. Um, I I do hear it, though. Like, I definitely have seen it. Uh, The the empty office spaces, a lot of pressure on these companies to get those buildings filled versus what would be nice to see, which is taking steps to learn how to Actually, embrace a hybrid type atmosphere with more remote workers, because in my view there, you can get better talent. Right, and we'll go a little, little bit of a tangent here, but you can get better talent if you broaden. You know, you're not just regionally uh, restricted, right? And um it, it's up to these companies to, and some have figured it out, and they're going to get the best talent. And uh, to figure out how to have a remote, you know, a, a largely remote culture. Um, that can still, you know, allow people to grow and develop. You can be fresh out of college and not feel totally lost. And it's not just those with the experience that have been there that are able to do it with ease, right? Like there needs to be real investment and real time put into that. And I just haven't seen it for most of these corporations. Everybody's just taking the lazy route and saying, go fill our offices because we're paying rent on them, right? So I I do think once that, if, if there is a flip there where they start figuring out ways to repurpose these uh, commercial spaces, then maybe, maybe there will be a shift there, but that's, that's my optimistic thinking. What do you think?
4: You touched on an interesting topic with the commercial spaces. Um, as far as repurposing them, I I don't really see an opportunity to turn them into apartments or anything like that. I mean, my my degree is in construction management and, um, those buildings just don't have the same infrastructure support that would be required for like living spaces. Um, you see a lot more plumbing, a lot more power, all these other things. So, um, it's difficult. It's almost like a tear down situation where it's like, all right, this building's no longer of use, tear it down, put something better in. And that sucks for whoever currently owns it or if they default the bank. Um, but as far as remote work, I think what we're probably going to see is um, lower level employees coming back into work. But you know, people like your directors and stuff who already have to touch a bunch of different locations, they'll probably be allowed to work remote part time, kind of hybrid, like you're saying. And then they'll go out in the field and do what they need to um, when it's required. So, uh, I think your more skilled labor, the people who can command a higher wage, will probably be, you know, somewhat flexible. The company's going to work with them because they know they're top performers. The lower level people, if they don't get outsourced to India, are going to have to come back to the office.
3: Is you know just to touch upon that whole the point, right? I think what Blind Luck is saying is absolutely correct and even if you are coming back to work you know the work will still move offshore because it's 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 cheaper it's as simple as that uh you know there's only so much if you if your revenue is not growing up and your cost is going up over here the, the work is going to get shifted whether it's large companies or whether it's small companies you know i mean india is now expensive honestly now you know i've seen corporations actually moving it to vietnam yeah i mean we, they also have a big english population
4: we used to um outsource couple hundred jobs um, to India and uh, Pakistan, and yeah, they're, they're well-educated. Um, the individuals are highly motivated, and um, the English is pretty good, and for a lot of technical roles, you don't need perfect English. You just need to understand what you're doing, and go code it or go design it. We, we primarily, at my company, used them for drafting services, so they'd redesign blueprints and then do shop drawings and stuff, and just a lot of computer work, really. Um, and yeah, I think well, and it's, it you know, doesn't... And...
2: Go ahead. It doesn't even matter, um, you know. For a lot of these these jobs, these these sorts of uh, tasking, uh, it doesn't even matter if, if the person is like as good as or even even that competent. Um, you, you know, you like look at look at any of these uh, these companies that sort of sh- they they over over um, they outsource uh, coding to, to any any of these uh, other countries. It's not going to really affect. The thing is, is, it's every manager that's like, they all have a short-term, kind of like politicians. They want to make sure that they hit whatever target they have to hit this year, the next two or three years, and then they're gone. They're moving to another company. So it doesn't yeah. even matter to them in the long run if the if the code is spaghetti and it doesn't even work well. Uh, you know, they are able to deliver a product and ship a product uh, on, under budget, uh, you know, under uh, under uh, under the deadline and uh, they get that bonus they move to facebook or google or whatever else yeah, and
4: uh, hey, hey, I did it like I was that guy like you know I had you know 10 direct reports and we had a couple hundred people overseas and my direct reports would check all the code and we'd catch what we could and deliver to market and uh, a couple things get missed you just fix it you know and it's you know significantly cheaper so if you're sitting at home in your pajamas working 2 3 hours a day thinking you got it made I guarantee you an Indian worker that's working, you know, for one fifth the wage is willing to do a better job than you or, you know, at least you know, complete the project. So anyways, we were kinda of sidetracked from real estate. I just um jumped in on the um remote thing since I have some experience. Well, that's my, outsourcing.
1: That's my fault. I get on soapboxes instead of talking about work from home. Can you all tell? Good. Yeah, we'll I mean, no, we're
4: not trying to bash work from home. I mean I think
0: it's <laughs> a place for it, but um it's a risk. I, I love work from home, man. Trust me. It's all right, Nate. We're never going back. That's right,
1: paper. That's the right.
0: Uniforms in play, t-shirt, shorts, flip-flops. Well, I can't remember and, the last time. And, the and to anyone
2: out there that's you know working remote right now, listening, uh, the best way that you can avoid you know becoming becoming obsolete is make yourself indispensable. Uh, make make it so that uh, make it so that you fail the bus test. You know, the bus test is is uh, okay if if uh If Bob over here gets hit by a bus, how screwed are we on this project? Uh, You know, if 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 you're indispensable, if you fail the bus test, then uh, then you can sort of write your own ticket and uh, whatever you got to do to make yourself indispensable, do it. Um, You know, if if that's yeah.
3: Yeah, hundred
4: percent. If you're someone who just follows a procedure and anything comes up and it's outside of that procedure, you just throw your hands up and throw it back to your manager. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. This isn't my department. Yeah, you're the first person to get outsourced. But if you're a problem solver yeah. and you can wear multiple hats and you truly understand the company's missions and uh, what they're about and how to, you know, how they want to do things, and yeah, you're probably going to be okay. They'll repurpose you if they outsource your job. You know, they want people like that. But there's plenty of people, you know, they just want to be a seat warmer and click the same key over and over and over because it's <laughs> an yeah. and they don't have to think. And those yeah, people
2: yeah, yeah. be outsourced. Exactly, yeah. Be a big problem solver. Make it so that your boss and your boss's boss know that. Hey, uh, if, if I if I give Joe a problem, I know that he's going to make this problem go away for me. I know that he's going to clear things off my plate. Yeah, if, if you're just a seat warmer, a button pusher, um, if, if your job is to go in there and, and uh, is to like drink coffee and talk about the Super Bowl, uh, if that if that's like if you're the mayor of the water cooler. Which, by the way, you know, doing the politics thing, doing the, um, <laughs> doing doing the thing where you're making people like you. Because if you, even if you suck at your job, if people like you, they want to try and make they they want to try and like keep you somehow. They want to try and uh, you know help you out and 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 work with you, even if you suck or you're mediocre at your job. So, <laughs> but we we could talk about this uh, all day, and we should probably get back to real estate.
1: <laughs> uh, you guys this is good stuff. I think I'll put a bow on that topic by saying that you guys really highlighted something that's very important, right? I'm passionate about work from home and being able to find spots where you can work from home and then do other things because the amount of time that I get back and the, my improvement and quality of life and all that, if you can do it, I'm all for it. And I'm all for businesses, you know, trying to to make that work versus just, you know, ignoring it and trying to go back to old school stuff. So that's where, where my head's at. But what these guys are all saying, I think is super important. It's like don't jeopardize what you're doing right like if you enjoy working from home make sure you're indispensable make sure that you you know your job is locked in I love to trade I love writing my newsletter I love doing all these things I make sure that first and foremost the you know I'm locked in I don't have to worry about the the regular routine and that's all squared away I don't jeopardize that at all by the way Newsletter guys I'm really uh proud to say this and really excited so I, just, I gotta mention it It's pinned on top. I just got crossed a thousand subscribers so shout out to all the subscribers to a traders' education newsletter appreciate all of you guys like yeah, that's baby. huge for me so I appreciate it one thousand now ten thousand tomorrow we're getting there so uh yeah, good stuff put out stuff every day on this trading, and uh, appreciate you guys being here to join us to talk uh, about these markets. I think what we'll do here to nicely wrap this up and bring it back to the markets is talk about what's going on right now. So uh, we've got, you know, a couple of futures traders with us, and uh, I think we still, uh, we lose Sharky. I think we might have lost Sharky, but um, it looks like markets right now, after hours, just kind of Oh, we got a little bit of a move up here recently, but anything um, heading into tomorrow, you guys? that And this is for everybody on the panel, but I'd love to hear from Frank or um, Stocks After Dark. Oh, we might have dropped down my last stocks. But yeah, is there anything anybody here up on the panel is looking forward to tomorrow or the rest of the week in particular? You guys, I know we talked about PPI data, but are you looking for any key levels or expecting you know more of a pullback? Like any, anybody have any kind of sense to me, I feel like the markets are digesting this data and I feel like I'm, I'm leaning more bullish than anything, but you know, one day is not enough data to really make a big decision. But any thoughts there guys on what you're thinking of the rest of the week? Good. Frank. Uh,
6: um, I, I just got on cause I heard paper was talking and you know, went around the squawk. And to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, when the Oracle speaks, you gotta listen. Uh, <laughs> I it. my man uh, my brother TNX um, you know paper and what we talk about it the Dixie TNX we're always looking at it. in the middle of the busiest day I'll be like TNX look at TNX look at TXY TNX broke out but like it's probably it's got a little more it's probably a fall. I think it's all a false breakout I mean it looks like it's about to go Dixie looks like it's about to go they're like right there but they'll probably pull back. This seems very much like we had in early December where we had that, that terrible day where, you know, everything just looked awful. Um, You know, they brought him back to life in the last 30 minutes today. So, you know, that's my guess. I mean, futures right now are uh, NQs up nine points. It's basically flat from the close, Um, but they have a little bit of a positive bent, but uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, we can give, we can
0: give them some levels, Frankie. So like TNX, if you don't know, TNX is the 10 year yield. So 4.2 is the critical level, right? So if we're over 4.2 IWM and the small cap cohort, probably going to have a really hard time, right? If we continue to go higher on TNX for the 10 year yield, then, then we get to like probably larger cap trouble, um, but if we get back below 4.2, and, I, and I'm kind of with Frankie, right? So, like, we might drift back down to 4.2, and it may turn into, let's say, call it maybe support. But that's going to be the level to watch for the foreseeable future, at least the coming weeks or week, let's say, a couple days, at least, right? <clears throat> we're going to toy – we're likely going to toy with that 4.2 level in my mind. Um, in terms of the Dixie, when we say Dixie, that's DXY. Uh, You could also own it via something called UUP, but that's the dollar index. 104 is critical, right? So if the dollar or the Dixie is below 104, then we can get off to the races, but we could never really get below that that 104 level. So that's kind of like your, I'd call it like inflation kind of barometer, if you will. Um, You know, if the dollar's like ripping to the upside, that's also kind of like a sign of like, where's money flowing out to It's literally the dollar. So if the dollar's ripping higher, it's literally money coming out of stuff and going into the dollar, which is like the safest safety. Uh, that's not really what we want to see. So we do want to see the dollar get below 104. If we can get the 10-year yield under 42, we can get the Dixie under 104, that should be good um, it, after, after that. But above that, it's going to be choppy. And in terms of the market, for me... <clears throat> this goes back to i always go back to these non-farm payroll days right so to me fundamental events create my technical levels and nfp if you don't know like if you're ever learning stocks they'll probably first one of the first things you'll probably learn is like from a macro perspective non-farm payrolls is probably the most important number of the month every month but how do you use it how, like what does that even mean typically it sets the higher the lows for the month right and so if you look back on the chart this month, February, it was February 2nd. Just that high and the low of that day's range, right? So the high is 496. Look at today, and you could do this for the Q's, you could do this for diamonds too, for whatever. Uh, and it's gonna match up and you can back test this. This is like 100%. Um, look at where we popped to this morning and where we rejected. It's exactly that February 2nd high. That's not a coincidence, right? Um, the low end of this range is 489 spot 01. Uh, In between that 496 and 489 level, we're chopping. We're going sideways. We're not necessarily breaking down. Um, the dip buys would probably be around that 489 level, uh, but you know that has to hold for any kind of uptrend, for like the the longer term uptrend to stay intact, right? And when I say longer term, um, let's just say you can take the lows, take all your lows from January from this January and connect them in a straight line right from January this year and you'll have yourself a nice little uptrend and that uptrend stops where exactly where we stopped today so today we basically tested the bottom of the existing channel the spy's been in all year long so we can't really break down it also makes sense as to why we bounced like we can break down but we don't want to see it break down to stay super bullish, if that makes sense. And that breakdown's going to come at 489. And it's in your flashing indicators are going to be the dollar ripping or the 10-year ripping. Those two things we don't want to see. Uh, if you see SPY kind of like bouncing off that 489, you see the Dixie coming back down below 104, or towards 104, and the 10-year coming back towards 4.2, maybe even a little bit lower, then things should be back to normal and we're just continuing in this channel and this morning's dip may have just been like another dip buy opportunity but until then it's kind of like you're in this chop zone inside that 496 to 489 range on spy i just can't really say that we're gonna go one way or the other if that makes sense like for me my 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 strategy says wait or Trade sideways, if you will. Yeah. And Sharky's back. Yeah.
7: Hey, okay, what's up, guys? Sharky. What's up, buddy? Got the whole crew here late night. This is cool. Yeah.
1: Late night. We like to have a good time,
7: Sharky. You know that. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you have course. a good time of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to join back in. Thanks for bringing me up. I'm doing mm-hmm. my, my second walk of the day. I'm down south. I don't get as much walking in as when I'm up north during the summer in, in the city. I have to remind myself to walk and try to be active. I love it. I
2: just did a two mile walk in the uh, in the cold, and dropping my car off at the mechanic. It was a uh, it was a great walk. Thanks for everyone for uh, keeping me company.
1: Yeah, Paul, appreciate right, you, bro. Appreciate you, bud. Hey, uh, what do you got blind luck. your hand up.
4: Yeah, I was gonna ask, paper. That's a great breakdown that you're giving us. Um, you know, it's interesting on um, the socials, X here and stuff that you got. The Perma Bulls, you got people like you who look at the data, then you got the, the Perma Bears, you know, they're convinced the world's gonna end, and they've been saying that since 2008, right? Um, in your mind, what would break this current channel we're seeing? Like, uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of chop, but like to your point, we've, we've had a pretty bounded yeah. range here. In your mind, what would push it so, down? Like, it, you know, what would be like a worst case scenario?
0: 489. 489 on SPY, right? Like that cannot break down below that. So when I say break down, So I'm a swing trader initially, right? And when I look at these kind of things, I have to look at this with the swing trading hat on. I can't be looking at it with the day trading hat on, right? And so we're looking for either two days closing below or a full day open and close below 489. And that probably, or like a weekly close below. That could possibly happen on Friday when we get PPI. I would just say really care cautiously, like if it happens on Friday, I wouldn't take that as a signal until probably the next week, right? Because Friday could be that knee-jerk reaction from PPI, if that makes sense. Um, but that 489, <clears throat> for now, right? For now, what I'm looking at is just a basic range, 496. And you guys, if you zoom out on your charts and you look at, again, cues by the way, It's the same. It's that same February 2nd. Sorry if I get echoey. I'm in a garage right now. Um, February 2nd high. Oddly enough, not so odd. 430 spot 22, right? We popped up this morning on the queues, tagged it, and rejected pretty hard right there, and we did not close above it, right? So for now, I'm actually seeing this as like, okay, we should probably chop down to 422 spot 78 on QQQ, which is which is the bottom end of that February 2nd day, that would be where like the low liquidity like is waiting to pick it up, right? Um, but again, it's the same thing. If I get a daily open and close on the queues below 422.78, it's no good, right? Like that, that channel is also broken then too. Um, but when we're, when we're at these spots like this, I can still see us chopping. But on the upside, right? In either scenario, I'm full blown bull. If the queues are opening and closing over four thirty spot twenty four or spy is opening and closing over four ninety six, I'm back in the bull seat, nice. yeah right? I, Like I, I have really no questions. To,
4: um, my, my only concern is like we've had a nice strong twenty percent rally since like October. So like we've had a good three months here and typically after yeah, so, a really good rally there's a little bit of a pullback, the market catches its breath and it kinda rebuilds that base and consolidates
0: before the next run up and I'm just kind of wondering yeah, when that happens, exactly. so, you know? That's just natural. Like, so these rules, these rules like this will keep that kind of stuff like away from keeping me out of a trade sometimes. Um, and They'll keep me out of the wrong trades and they'll keep me in the good trades, if that makes sense, right? So it may be that we're in this chop zone for like a week, but as long as we're in that zone, we'll... My system is probably, it's just going to tell me to just to wait, right? But if we do get those like closes above or below, then I have a very crystal clear direction at least until March NFP, which is probably the next two weeks, right? So <clears throat> between now and then, those are just going to be the levels that I would that I would trade off of, and then we'll get the next data points after that.
6: Yeah, to give, you some, uh, okay. to give you to give a little perspective about. Paper and and, um, Shark and I are on spaces every day together, usually, um, at least for part of the day. And, um, you know, I I think I can speak for all three of us. Like, we're neither bull nor bears. We trade what's on the screen. But uh, I'll tell you, from August to October 31st, we were leaning all over this stuff until and, and, like, October 31st, it took me a couple of weeks. I remember talking to Paper, like, Paper, I'm having a tough time getting on the long side here. And he's like, he slapped me out of it. And ever since then, we were, we've been very, very aggressively playing the, the long side. But that, that being said, you know, flags are up. Like, this is a week you got to be paying attention for sure.
7: Paper, I yeah. love that level um, you were talking about um, on the dollar. Uh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think we've spoken about it, but Frank knows I've been pretty bullish on the dollar for, for a little bit now, and um, we'll, we'll watch that.
0: Well, I hate that you're bullish on the dollar, because that's really <laughs> <laughs> bad.
7: Anyway. Well, we already kind of made most of the move. The 105 is going to be yeah. the next area, you know, that, and I'm not in front of the charts. I got to do this from my head. I'm outside, but, but um, I totally agree with you with that 104. It's like the 104 to 103, mm-hmm. like 80s, anywhere in that area. But in the near term, what we could also watch for for maybe a little reprieve is about the halfway point in that um, 104, 50, 45 area. We get under that. I think, you know, that would be a little bit more okay. Can put a little, uh, alleviate some pressure. Um, but really it's at that, that level um, that, I'm, um, that you were saying before. I'm, I'm spot on with you on that. Um, the other thing, though, I'm going to be watching is the VIX, For me, the VIX over 15 and over about 1575 is going to be kind of where uh, I'm a little bit more um, cautious as far as the volatility and stuff. So another area for um, people to keep an eye on if they want.
1: Good stuff, guys. Appreciate all of this. Uh, We've been wrapping here for a minute, so I think we'll probably go ahead and close up shop but before we do make sure you give everybody here on this panel a follow i mean like like you heard tons of great information not only on these spaces but we'll fill your timeline as well um you know carl talking about waste management and his newsletter and, and the services he provides the long-term investing definitely check that out paper gains, best in the business as far as trading is concerned like the Discord, I'm not kidding, is like super legit. It is impressive. Appreciate you, man.
0: Class starts March 1st. If anyone wants to jump there in, you go. we close off sign off. It's enrollment time right there now. There
1: you go. Nice. These guys are not paying me, by the way. I'm just telling you what I know. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys getting up here, sharing your knowledge and your oh, time. Dude, Nate, though,
7: real quick, you, you freaking slayed it on the predictor grant. Was it yesterday or was it today?
1: That was today, brother. Thanks, Dude, brother.
7: I, cause I I looked at the leaderboards to see how the teams were doing. And then I saw on the, the, the other thing. I saw you right on the first, and you had like 58. And you were like, I was like, because there was a lot of predictions. And you had a really high score. i was like, damn.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. 93% today. Yeah. yeah.
7: yeah. yeah. On 50, 93% for 58 predictions
1: is freaking insane thanks man yeah i was uh so just so everybody knows like i'm glad about that predictograms fantastic like if you're trade like i swing trade like paper's talking about and then i get in my trades and sometimes i get antsy and uh i don't you know it's not like i'm going to mess with those trades like i follow my plan but to kind of get the day trading itch scratched a little bit right <laughs> right go mess exactly. around with instagram it helps me with my reading of charts as well and you know just kind of good practice and then see what other people are doing out there so yeah it's a good time man i'm trying to help team wolf get to get up to that first place spot oh
7: uh, well, i see i'm in here i don't know uh, if <laughs> right. uh you, you, you guys got a lot of work to do i can't be talking as evan evan evan's a change man now that he's working by. <laughs>
1: the, the trash <laughs> talking is, is awesome
7: it's all part <laughs> yeah, of it i know it's fun yeah it's all
1: good fun. good stuff thanks sharky appreciate it man glad you could join glad everybody could join another great discussion you guys um we're gonna take tomorrow night off because it's valentine's day and you know we just can take it off i but uh oh did we give the staple valentine's day trade what's that go for it oh f l
0: w s 1-800-Flowers. Flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know about this? Man? I don't know about this. Come That's on. funny.
1: All right. Noted.
0: True story. All right, you, got story? you got a story?
7: A story paper?
0: No, no. I was saying it's a true story. Watch. <laughs> it's almost like yearly. It's just like some random daily pop. I don't understand That's... why. Well, I mean, I
1: know why. That's funny. All right, cool. I'll trade FLWS tomorrow. <laughs> 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 You heard it first, the flower trade. Nice. There you go. Nice. All right, guys, have a great evening. We'll catch you on the trading floor tomorrow. And if you missed any of this, you can uh, check the replay for sure. I got the record going. And also we'll have it on the newsletter dropped first thing in the morning. So have a good evening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. See you, Nate. Take, Take care, care, everybody. Thanks, thanks for having me. You're
3: game, team. It was a lot of fun. Take care, guys.